because mm. inherently municipal affects your life the most, then provincial, then federal. You know what I mean? Like our foreign, uh, our foreign policies are not impacting our lives as much as our, um, as our healthcare policies, which are provincial. Um, and our healthcare policies are not impacting our life as much as uh, the snow clearing programs, which is municipal. So. How you doing? Good. How are Good. you guys? Not bad. Doing very well. Doing very well. Thanks yeah, for coming to be here. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, hope you're enjoying the tea so far. It is. It's a little hot, but that's that's all good. It's very good. Tastes very good and smells very nice. Yeah, yo, shout out to KOT, our sponsor, right off the bat, just to kind of get things going. Uh, we're drinking the lemon verbena today, and we have our good friend Miriam here to uh, just have a little chat with us. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll start right off with, uh, you've done like a lot of traveling in your life. Uh, I sure have. Is there anything, maybe like, would you say like a particular story or something, or anything that like defining moments that you stand out in your mind? That's always a fun, uh, a fun little question. Uh, it depends because I feel like <clears throat> I like to break down like the, for me, there's like a travel category and then there's like a lived in category because um, uh, my mom was a diplomat growing up. A Canadian oh, no diplomat. Way. Yeah. Really? And then my dad worked for the UN. So um, lots of traveling. Wow. So uh, I lived in Canada, uh, Haiti, Canada, Ethiopia, Djibouti and Somalia, Canada, Egypt, um, and then outside of my family, uh, the UK and Spain, and then back to Canada. So Damn, those countries to me fall in different category than like the traveling, because yeah, we did of lots course. of traveling. Um, I think also the moment you're like in Europe or in Africa, um, it's a lot easier and cheaper to travel to other places. So we used to do like pretty much every school trip, we'd like go somewhere else. And um, I'm super lucky because my very white mom um was super super adventurous and like took us to places that um chances are nowadays i wouldn't have the opportunity to go to so like we went to syria we went to um iran um you know we went to yemen and i'm like how did you do that as a single mom i'm not 100 sure with two young kids but super cool experiences but those to me fall in different category than like you know the the places i've lived in because we lived there for typically three years um so those are a little different. So it's it's always hard to pinpoint like, what's your favorite memory or like, what's your favorite country? I'm like, well, it depends. It depends. Like, what are you asking? Is it to very live true. there mm-hmm. or is it to like, you know, visit? Because those visit, are very yeah. different things, right? And I like that you differentiate actually, just because mm-hmm. of the fact that it is two very different perspectives. Like staying in a place long enough, you start to learn the culture, you start to learn Absolutely. the familiar areas. Like, Absolutely. what would you say is like maybe a big difference between the two that really stands out to you between living somewhere like full time or just visiting like? Well, I think firstly, uh, I think I'll be honest. I think I have a, a really different perspective to traveling than most people, uh, solely because I've lived in a lot of places. So I'm very much not a big resort person. Um, I, I it makes me Respect feel like a cattle. Part. You know what I mean? Because yeah, they're like, okay, we're gonna like shepherd you this way, and I'm yeah. like, I am my own person. Thank you. I could yeah. figure stuff out. Um, so typically, like how I like to travel. Um, is influenced by the fact that I've lived in a lot of countries. So I like to, you know, um, have like a basic understanding of the language. Um, uh, I like to not make it super obvious that I'm a tourist. Uh, I think being mixed also super helps because it makes me really ethnically ambiguous. So (laughs) people will just be like, you know, like anytime I've gone to Latin America or, you know, any Hispanic countries and I speak Spanish, so people are just like, ah, eres mexicana. And I'm like, Sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I totally (laughs) am. It must be easier to like kind of navigate, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of cool because like you can kind of have this like very or this more genuine kind of experience in a country that doesn't feel like an an experience catered to a tourist. Fair, like more of the welcoming homey experience. Like if you're going to someone's like house and they're inviting you for dinner sort of thing, like but out and about. Correct. And like same with like typically I like to do like Airbnbs or like, you know, like a hostel because... You know, you're in neighborhoods that people actually live in, you know, and yeah. not these like places that are like very, very made for 
tourist. Yeah, yeah. you're experiencing yeah. like the the heart of the the actual country when you when you do when you go that's that route. Right. That's were right. Were you were you how old were you when you were living in all these countries uh, in these countries? Were you like during you growing up? Correct. So okay. uh, the last one that we lived in, where I live, uh, where I was a kid, I guess, um, uh, from the age of uh, fourteen to seventeen, I was in Cairo in Egypt. Um, and that's where I graduated high school, which is pretty cool. And it's a Sweet. it's a factor that I like to rub in my brother's face because he uh, by the time he graduated high school, we were back in Canada. Uh, so he graduated high school in the gym in Ottawa. Um, and my graduation was in front of the pyramids. So, you know, like to this day, I'm still like, ooh, look at this. Look at my graduation Such a pictures. Nice flex. You know? Like- oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, you know, those like sibling rivalries that never go away. I'm like, did you, Sucker. Did you ever feel like it was a bit like uh, a bit of a, a, a displacement kind of growing up, changing schools all the time? Like how that must have been pretty interesting. For sure. Um, I. It's hard to always be the new kid. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I think it taught me to be like, well, I think it, it helps that I was already really extroverted. But um, it made me very like good at talking to new people and meeting new people and making connections really quickly with people. Um, keeping learning how to keep in touch because honestly, nowadays, so many people are really, really bad at communicating yeah. um, and at keeping in touch with people, particularly if they're not like in your direct circle all the time. You For know, sure. your friend moves to a different city and you're like, wow, we never keep in touch. And I'm like, that's my entire childhood. Um, I had an email address at like seven years old, you know? Wow. Um, but there's also a downside to that in the way that it was a hard way to grow up because, um, you know, when, especially when I moved back to Canada, um, and I went to university and I, there were all these people around me who were like, oh, this is my friend. We've been friends for 15 years. And I'm like, I don't have those because we moved, right? Uh, same with like activities, you know, um, I feel like a lot of, I like to make, I like to joke that I'm um, a fraud in many things in life. I'm not a master in anything. I'm just a fraud in a lot of things. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I have a lot of like little knowledge about lots of different things, but that inherently comes from how I grew up because, you know, Sure, I got I got super into skating uh, for the three years that we lived in Canada, and then we moved to Egypt. And it's like, what, where are you going to go skate? You know, mm, exactly. Um, so complete switch of perspective. Oh, basically. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so it's hard to like maintain any. It's it's a little bit of an unstable life, let's say. But um, personally, I think I've seen the positives in it and uh, been like, oh, like this made me grow and be very open minded as a person. Um, so I'm very thankful for the way that I grew up. Uh, if I have kids, would I would I do it? Uh, probably, because I really enjoyed growing up that way. And I think like sometimes I it makes me feel a little disconnected with my peers who grew up here because I'm like, you know, sometimes you kind of sound like you're bragging when you're like, oh yeah, you know, that one time we went on a school trip, uh, you know, to like Indonesia, and people are like, wow what a dick like yeah, you're just yeah. bragging and I'm like no but that was just my regular life you know there was like nothing really special about it it's just that's how I grew up and you have to appreciate it if it's happening exactly right? exactly it. so and I think it made like it made me very aware of like political things around the world and like different cultures um and sometimes it's kind of hard to explain that to people who've never left Canada or who have left Canada but you know gone on like resort vacations and like not I know I sound like I'm shitting on resort vacations. I'm not, you know, there's something for everyone, but um, it's just a very, very different way to experience the world, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah to getting secluded on uh yeah being secluded on like a, a resort is a thing like people just like go there and then they're just there but like there's so much more of a country to actually go and see absolutely you know and I it mean? makes so. it that it, you know if you go to a resort in cuba and you go to a resort in the dominican republic like you kind of have a very similar experience even though inherently cuba and the dominican republic are like really really different places uh but you're yeah. in this like little bubble where um you know it's like oh there was a you know people spoke spanish and you know, there was a beach and this resort looks just like that other resort, but you don't see the cultural differences because you're in this like little insulated It's made to place, integrate right? you a little more like gently. Like if you're Correct. a tourist, it's like saying like, oh, you can feel uh, comforted here and like a little bit like it's your home. Correct. But you're just in a different place as opposed Correct. to actually immersing yourself. Yeah, it, it yeah. definitely um, it is meant to like standardize the experience, right? So like it it's not it's a comfortable space and it's a comfortable space that you can rely on will always be comfortable no matter where you go around mm-hmm. the world which is good like people do like stability and i get that but uh at the same time it kind of removes all the like cultural beauties that you could have experienced by Absolutely. going to that place you know and you said you lived in haiti mm-hmm. that's crazy what year 
Mm. It's been a while back. It was a long time ago. Uh, I was three to five, so um, 90. Okay, three to five, like you yeah, were three, five years old. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. Cause so, like, like, my very first memories are. Haiti now is pretty pretty intense. It's very notorious Correct. of what's going on right now. Correct, which is really Haiti. sad because it means, like, I can't go back and visit. And yeah. uh, it does hold, like, a really special place in my heart because um, uh, it is uh, the very first place where I really, really had memories. Um, and then my dad passed away not long after we, we moved back from Haiti. So like a lot of my memories with my dad are in Haiti. So it's like really special place for me. So hopefully one day I'll be able to make it back. Um, but yes, politically it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit in turmoil right now mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. 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 It's pretty crazy. Yeah. There's a uh, YouTube guy, his name's Indigo Traveler. Don't yeah. You know? yeah. It's pretty interesting. Um, that's crazy. So then what made you decide to like go and travel? Like it was just because of that, like growing up traveling a lot, you decided to go and travel again, I guess. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it just became kind of like a standard in my life. Um, that, um, you know, this like little bit of like wanderlust, which, uh, as I found out, uh, is not just my, from my mom. Uh, my grandma was the same. And like in the sixties, um, she, or yeah, late 50s, early 60s, she was single and she like went to China and, you know, lots of places that like a woman alone in the 50s and 60s might maybe might not have gone to. So it's kind of nice because I'm like, oh, it's genetic. Like yeah. it's uh, it's been Pushing passed the down, boundaries you know, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The <laughs> That's great. Um, so I think I, I, I wanted to continue that. And like I really loved being in Canada. And I think there was, um, you know, I, I think I hit a point at a certain age where I was like, oh, hey, I've lived my entire life with like very little stability, um, which not hating on that. Like I very, I, I enjoyed growing up that way, but you know, eventually you start craving a little bit of stability. Um, so I wanted to stay in Canada and still have that stability, but I didn't want to lose that like wanderlust or that like spontaneous, you know, I'm just gonna pick up and go somewhere. Um, and I worked as a flight attendant for a couple of years. And when I did that, um, I got super, super great deals. Oh, yeah. Um, you I, paid, yeah. I paid just taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, Yeah, That's I went crazy. to Australia for 200 bucks. Oh. Round trip. I was in the oh, middle no, seat right. for crazy. like 16 hours, which was not ideal because you get whatever seats are left on the plane. Yeah, yeah. And you don't know if you're going to get on the plane. Um, and uh, you get paid like garbage. Um, so I went to Australia, but couldn't afford to stay anywhere. Uh, so I camped my way through Australia for 10 days. No way. Yeah, because camping in their provincial uh, or state, no, provincial parks, I think, um, is free. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's $25 for three days to park your car, uh, but there's no fee for actually camping. So I went with some of my friends and we just like Amazing. camped our Did way you through. you just have your kind of tent on your back or something? My, nice. And when you travel on standby, you don't check bags because you don't know if you're going to make it on the plane because you might get to the plane and they're like, oh, sorry, like you can't get, you know, you can't get on. So you wouldn't check your bags because you don't want your bags to end up somewhere you don't end up. Uh, So I never ever checked bags, uh, which is really helpful nowadays when like everybody's losing their bags. I'm like, you don't know how to travel yeah. with just carry-ons. I'm like, I can pack a mean carry-on. Um, I would <laughs> I have- the same, just right? backpack on, the bo- on board. Like, yeah. I would have yeah. my backpack and just at the bottom, up. just like strap my, um, my sleeping bag at the bottom of it. And then my second carry-on was just my tent. Um, and that's just, uh, yeah, that's just how I did it. Amazing. And, wow. Yeah. My tent has been many places. It's been on many adventures. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Oh how God. many, how many countries in all have you been? To, to, to be honest, I haven't counted in a while. And then the last time I counted, I was at 50. 50? Wow. Zero. Five yeah. zero? Yeah. Oh, shit. That's amazing. That's yeah. crazy. That's, yeah. uh, um, I will that's say, nice. honestly, though, uh, a lot of it was like with my mom and my brother and yeah, yeah, of course. You know, family trips and stuff. But uh, it was really helpful that like pretty much every family vacation, my mom was like, all right, you know, we're going here. And as a kid, I didn't understand how great that was um, because, you know, I'm like eight and I'm like, I, all of my friends are going to Disney World and I want to go to Disney World. Yeah, you don't see and the And my mom's like, we're going to Ghana. And I was like, why? He's like, I just want to go to Disney. It's fine. I took myself to Disney at 21 years old um, and it was great. I, <laughs> There's like, the reward. Yeah. You know, I like, I, oh, it was great. I went for my birthday. They gave me like a little tiara. They gave me a little button. Characters saying happy <laughs> birthday to me. I was like, I'm a child again. It was great. <laughs> That's great. And I made it happen for myself, which I think is more rewarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you lived out that that dream of yours. Like, and, you're like, I fucking hustled for that. Like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, it's and there is a lot of reward in being like 
I wanted this. I made it happen for myself. I didn't wait for anybody else to give it to me, you know? Going back into geopolitics yeah. and like what you're mentioning, I guess you kind of had a bit of a foundation. You like I'd, I'd asked you earlier, I don't know if you're like, if it's something that you can't talk about, you don't have to go necessarily in detail, but you did do like, you were like involved in politics and what made you go that route? I, I also realized I'm wearing like a shirt from that party. So I was like, oh, how did that happen? <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> um, a little bit of an accident. Subtle representation. Um, <laughs> it was just subtle. Um, honestly, I've always cared a lot about politics um when we were kids um honestly I can remember probably from like the age of like five or six um uh my family just watched the news a lot and like you know we'd watch cartoons in the morning and then the evenings was like the news and it's like if you want to watch you know if you want to watch television then you sit down and you watch it with us you know mm-hmm. um so and we watched a lot of like Al Jazeera we watched a lot of BBC we watched so we watched a lot of international news and to be fair I feel like I wasn't super clued into Canadian politics for a long time um but um yeah it's the day I turned 18 I woke up that morning and the very first thing I thought was like oh my god I can vote um so it's always been something that's that's been ingrained in me um I've participated in a lot of like you know I've volunteered a lot on on campaigns and Mm -hmm. been excited about campaigns um I very much cried like sobbing crying uh when I found out that Jack Layton died um Mm, yeah yeah it was in an internet cafe in Madrid um and nobody people came up and they were like why are you crying and I was like, this guy died. And they were like, is this your family member? And I'm like, I don't know how to explain to you that like my political idol just died. And like, that sounds really unreasonable that I'm crying about it. Uh, so yeah, it's something I've always been like really passionate about. And it was uh, a little bit of a fluke that I ran in politics. Um, it wow. was, uh, yeah, I just, I, I got a phone call um, asking about um asking to renew my membership so that I could vote um, to, um, I could vote in a nomination meeting to uh, select the candidate that would be uh, for for the NDP. Um, no so uh, wow. while I was on the phone, I was like, yeah, absolutely, I'll renew my membership, but also like, what does it take to be a candidate? Just, just out of curiosity. Um, and then um, they were like, oh, this is what you do. And you know, you do this paperwork and, I, I sent it in and I honestly didn't think a whole, whole lot about it. Um, but then um, the more and more I got into it and I started filling out the paperwork and I talked to people and, you know, they were like, why do you want to go into politics? And I think um, to me, I think it was really important to have regular people in politics because I think, um, you know, we have this idea of politicians as like these, you know, like elite or like very like fancy people um and inherently the job of a politician well or an mp or an mpp is inherently to represent like you're elected to represent the people who voted for you mm-hmm. right um so if you're six tax brackets above them um or above like the median income in your writing how do you actually how can you relate to the people who you're representing how can you be their voice um, and at the time I was like, I have this like really shitty job and I work, you know, I get paid minimum wage and I have a buttload of student debt. And, you know, like, I'm like, I know what it feels like to be most people in this writing, you know, and I'm a person of color. And, you know, I, there was a lot of things that I was like, I'm just like a really normal person. Um, and I think it's important that we have just like normal people representing us and being our yeah. voices. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. Unfortunately, I think that's a trope that gets used in politics a lot where people are like, I'm just your average Joe vote for me because I'm like you. And I'm, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but I mean, you have millions of dollars. Like you are not an average Joe. (laughs) I was like basically using that as a, yeah, but either way way though, let's say if somebody is comes from a regular, you know, and then they eventually go into that lifestyle sooner or later, they will develop to be having, you know, pretty, they'll, they'll get paid. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but you I think as long as you remain in touch with the people that you represent, you know, um, there's a lot of politicians. uh, A really great example is um, uh, the MPP for Ottawa Centre. Honestly, like phenomenal guy. Um, Every time there's, uh, you know, a protest or something going on, you know, I'm lucky enough to have his number. But, you know, if you tweet at him or if you message him and you're like hey there's this going on in the community i think it'd be important for you to show up he'll be there mm-hmm. uh you know he'll get on his bike and he'll 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 jet on over um so as long as you stay connected and you stay true to that person that you were when you got elected um 
And I think it's very easy in politics to let things get to your head. Um, because a lot of people are going to treat you like you're like top shit. Um, and you've just got to remember that like you are, you know, you could, you could lose your job any day. Mm-hmm. Start there because, you know, if people don't want to vote for you, then you're gone. Um, and your paycheck's gone. Um, but also you are there to be the voice of somebody else. You are, you being you is not that important. Um, it's about, it's about having, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of MP and MPP's offices have, um, uh, I don't think it's called community care, but I'll just use community care for right now. Um, but essentially they'll have, um, somebody, a staffer in their office, uh, whose sole job is to have people come in, um, and voice concerns or ask for help. Or, you know, hey, I'm this I'm having a really hard time with this. Can you help me find the correct resources or, you know, direct me in the right direction? Um, and there's a lot of offices that don't do that anymore or that don't prioritize that. And they prioritize their work um, in Parliament or at Queen's Park. Mm. And inherently, I think it's more important to have that community care because, again, it's not about what you as the politician want to push in, in terms of in terms of policies. It's about representing the people who elected you. So if somebody's like, hey, I think this is really messed up, it's like, okay, well, how do we take that? And like, how do we bring that to parliament? And if enough people complain about that or talk about that and say, hey, this is a really big issue, how do we get that pushed across, you know? And to a certain extent, it does become hyper-local because, you know, hey, in my neighborhood, like, you know, this is a problem. How do we get, how do we push this forward? And that's something that I find is like often forgotten about in politics. You lose, you lose a, a lot of that, like, human side you know it becomes about ideologies it becomes about like appearance appearance exactly Mm -hmm. um so honestly that's mainly why i ran because i was like i just think it's important to like try to go back to that um and uh and the 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 writing i i ran in was like where i grew up what do you mean you you ran so i was the uh i i i there was a a provincial by-election um so i was the ndp candidate Really? So I ran in the election, yeah. Oh, like so somebody could vote for, for you in their riding? No they way. They sure could. Wow. They sure yeah. could. Oh, 5,000 people voted for me. And I'm like, I only no knew way. like 100 of those people. That's yeah, it was incredible. honestly kind of wild to like drive in your own neighborhood. Like that's where like How long ago was grew this? Up. Uh, uh, the election was February 27, 2020. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, not, feels like a, I don't know. Almost feels like a, years. yeah, it's yeah. not that long ago, but uh, you know. The pandemic was like took up the time afterwards, mm-hmm. so it, it feels like it wasn't that that long ago. But uh, yeah, it's super wild to drive in like a, a place you you know. I'm like, this is like my cousin lives there, and like you know, I used to go to the store when I was a kid, and it's just very weird to see like people that you don't know who have a sign outside of their house that has your name on it, and you're like, ooh, that is that's really weird. I've, yeah, I've, I've kind of developed a bit more of a political identity slash opinion in the more mm-hmm. i'd say the last year and i even though i'm, I'm not even a hundred percent there because i don't really know that much but You're i guess the learning. way that i the, the way that i see politics is basically like there's a fire and people are just dancing around this fire okay you know and the fire being the truth and nobody's putting water to put the fire out and so my question is is there actually such a thing as truth in politics because especially with what's going on right now i just see a bunch of lies and i think politicians are either like stupid or they're just they, they they don't understand that people are actually like you know awake to a certain extent like we know that you're bullshitting um okay i i get that i will say i think it's a little bit more complex than that because inherently no matter who the politician is no matter who the party is um everybody has morals and values that they're trying to abide by right um um I think I'll, I'll I'll stay away from talking too much about what's happening now because uh, I think the world currently is very polarized and I think the pandemic really added to that in terms of like there was a lot of time for people to be at home, to be... Uh, Down just, the rabbit hole. Yeah, of, yeah. yeah. And, like, and like lack and of, you know, like lack of like, we've missed a lot of, inf- a lot of like um, interactions. And um, direct information and conversation and more thorough. Yeah, correct. you're getting a very like kind of... Small, yeah, and the, like I find on the internet, it's very easy to kind of um, get trapped in this little 
bubble of like people who only have the same opinions as you do, you know? Uh, so like on, I'll give you an example, uh, Twitter. Twitter, uh, I was just about you know, to say. My Twitter is, obviously I have a lot of people that I agree with that I follow, but then I also follow a lot of people I don't agree with because I'm like, I don't want to be in this little like stratosphere of where I hear only you what I want to hear. Sides. You know, yeah, I, do um, the same thing. I think a, a big problem right now is that like everybody thinks they're an expert, which is a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Um, because no one's an expert in everything. You're an expert in something, but yeah. uh, I think the internet ha is a double-edged sword. It's one of those things where like, it gave people lots of um, information, but sometimes it doesn't give you the context around that information. So it's kind of like... It gives you the ability to easily dismiss it without actually correct, like, going into correct. it. Yeah. And, and to find the things that you want to find. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and also, people are lazy. People are absolutely lazy. They'll especially read, lazy. They'll read yep. something and then that's what it is. And especially when yeah. algorithms are sort of adapting to what you're looking at, it's like if you're not going like to say, well, actually like Facebook out of that. The showcasing negative uh, feed in order for you to get that anger. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but this yeah, was something that yeah. was just revealed and not too long and ago. And I think something that, that scares me a little, bit, a little bit about social media is I think people look at social media and are like, this is factual. And I'm like, your Uncle Bob telling me about this? is not news like that isn't that is not factual <laughs> um so i think it's like you know understanding like how um i've got lots of friends who are journalists and like understanding how that that process actually works and mm -hmm. like fact checking things um you know and how they get information like i can i can share information with them but um i know that they're not going to they're not going to share that information until they know that it is factually correct um even though they know me and they know that I wouldn't be making it up. Um, they'll still fact check it because it because it's part of their job, right? That, that's so, integrity, really, at the end of the day. Correct. Then, and it's just understanding all the sides. But then we also have the, the, the issue of media, right? BC is, you know, has heavy funding. <laughs> I mean, yes, but the CBC was also funded. Part, like, in the Harper years, the CBC was not defunded. It was also being funded. So I think, mm. don't get me wrong, I, I, I think that there's... Which could uh, be a bit just of bias. Like, 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 just you like don't any see... human beings, right? Because, like... A corporation is always going to be made up of human beings. So I think human beings have biases. So you're inherently going to have a little bit of a bias. Like you'll have a leaning, let's say, more so than a, than a bias. But I think that uh, news agencies particularly are very good at understanding that and being like, how do we beat that bias? You know, like a lot of you'll see a lot of panels where like they'll go out of their way to be like, hey, here's a conservative view and here's a liberal view and here's an NDP view and here's... Um, to counter counteract um, those those inherent biases, and like you see it often with um, how you know politicians are interviewed, because you know even even if the CBC is interviewing a liberal, um, they will often still be very grilling and be like, no, answer the question, like we you know so. Inherently, yes, humans have biases, so there's always going to be bias in the world. There's always going to be a little bit of leaning. Um, I just think it's a matter of how you, the, the fact that you acknowledge that and then that you go, how do we counter that? You know, because like yeah. if I'm speaking to you guys, like I'm like, I know what my biases are. You know what I mean? Um, every time I talk about politics with my friends, particularly around um, election time, I'm like, hey, make sure, you know, you go vote. And if somebody's like, I don't really know who to go vote for. I'm like, OK, well, you know, I will acknowledge that this is what my bias is. But here's like a general, I, I can give you correct resources to find out about all the platforms of all the candidates, you know? And I'm maybe not going to tell you, like, I might tell you who I'm going to vote for, but I'm going to be like, that doesn't mean anything, and I'm not going to tell you who I'm not voting for. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be like, don't vote for this person. So it's a matter of how you, sorry, <laughs> my dog is in the background. Oh, that's okay. Come um, here, buddy. Uh, it's a matter of how you counteract your own biases, right? And, like, I think that that approach reflects in life also where like you know you understand what your privileges are in life um and you kind of like counteract or you you recognize things in your life that you're like oh like I do this so maybe I'm going to actively try to you know I can't I can't remove my biases right um but I can be like how do I actively awareness is in great incorporate other ideas and yeah incorporate other yeah and like offset that. it a little bit yeah you know what do you tell someone though then, um, you know, to like in terms of voting for someone, you know, because basically the way I see it is 
come election time, people are, you know, they're selling you something. They're selling you a story of what we're going to do this and these are the policy changes that we're going to make and we're going to do all this stuff. And then when it comes time, they get elected and then they're in, you know, power. They become liars because they don't follow to their words. So, I mean... Correct. I mean, I will, I will start off with saying, though, that, like... It's harder than it, it seems. It I is. It is very hard to to enact policy, and it very is very very dependent on on what the government is made of, right? Like what everybody else is, because like yeah. the, there's a lot of you know, unless to and it there's too, like right? we don't have very. It's you know we ha we haven't had a majority party in in a little bit of time, um, and like don't get me started on that because I think that nobody there should never be a majority of anyone because I think that inherently for the best of for yeah, the best of Canadians, minority better. governments are better because yeah. I think it forces parties to work together, yeah. which is good for the for Canadians, right? It's more equitable, it it's more almost, representative. Yeah, the more debating dynamic, but like that, which leads to better results at the end. Exactly, that are more balanced. I should exactly. say. Exactly, like. but I think at the end of the again, I, I'll bring this back to like it's about it's about people, um, because at the end of the day, like when you go vote, and this is probably the best advice I I, I give to people when around around election time is remember that yes you are voting for a party um but inherently you are voting for the person who's going to represent you so again like bring it back to like hyper local and be like who are my representatives who do like out of the options i have mm. in my own writing because mm -hmm. we're not the u.s you're not voting for the prime minister right mm -hmm. um you know unless well, a lot you, of people like don't understand that yeah, exactly. Right. Unless you live in the writing of somebody who is a leader, you're not voting for the prime minister, right? You're voting for a person who's going to represent you, who's going to be one of many people who are there. Um, so I always think about it as like, I obviously I think I've, I've made it very clear that my bias is, is obvious and it's like, it makes it easy to know like when I have my an election in my own writing, it's like, I will obviously have a preference towards one particular party, but I will still look at all the candidates. Um, and I'll go to like candidate meet and greets and I'll go to debates uh, because I want to I want to hear more from the person who's going to represent me. Um, it's cool that you go back to that. I was going to bring that point up. I yeah. think it's really interesting that you brought that up because of the fact that, yeah, like uh, like you said, and obviously the pandemic did have an effect on this, but like the integration of of face to face of like word of mouth of actual discussion, you know, mm. with these people and understanding kind of like the levels to it, because it is a trickle down effect, right? You have like the people at the top and then you have, but like you said, you have your local writings and things. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's good to really know everyone personally, because then you actually get your own uh, like true representation. You're not just getting like a, like a social media post idea of who this person is and what that's they right. do. It's like, oh, they may represent many things and that's just one aspect of a, of a greater picture. So yeah, it, again, pandemic made it very hard for us to do a lot more of that, but I think it's important to still get like they're people talking they're to each They're definitely other. coming back though. Like it's, yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, like, and even when they were like zoom kind of conversations, like it's still, nice to be and i and i Still and i know face that to face. Yeah. exactly and i know that people don't necessarily like you know they're like oh like i whatever i'm gonna go vote and you know that will be it but people don't really think of like you know where are these candidates like are they gonna you know if they knock on your door like chat with them ask them your questions you know um when i knock on doors whether it be for myself or for other people one of the first questions i ask is is not actually I don't typically start off with like hi my name is blah 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 and I'm here for blah 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 and here's the policy changes you want you know we're doing because at the end of the day policy is like really high level um so generally what I start off with is like hi my name is Miriam and you know I'm here um for this party um what are some issues that are that like you care about that are happening right now you know um and then we kind of go off on a conversation based on that, you know? Um, and, uh, and then I could talk about policies that are related to that. You know what I mean? I could be like, Hey, like, Oh, so you're really upset about healthcare. Okay. Let's have a conversation about healthcare. And like, here is what my party wants to do about that. But you, you're having a, it's a much more genuine conversation to be like, what are issues you care about? And how do we, how do they affect you in reality? And how do the, how do we take these big, picture policies and bring them into concrete actions and right? without maybe being like too direct about what your bias are it's Correct. like you can use your bias to maybe adapt to what they're talking about Correct. or what issue they're bringing up Correct. like and almost see how you guys can formulate and it's something together absolutely like, and even when yeah. people disagree with you i think there's still like there's still sometimes 
most times there's still like room for a conversation, you know, like. And knowledge to be gained. Exactly. Like I knocked on a door of this one gentleman once and he, and he was like, well, you know, like I think there's too much immigration. And I was like, okay, well, why do you think that? You know, and like, what's your, you know, how do you, what, what's, what's your bias against immigrants? Like what's the, what's the root of it? And sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to talk to you, but I'm not going to vote for you anyways. And they close the door on you. And like, well, you tried. Um, and sometimes people will genuinely have a conversation with you. And then you can try to find out, you know, if there is a middle ground where you can meet. Sometimes there isn't, you know, and they're like, no, I just hate immigrants. And I'm like, yeah, well, the reason I'm here is because like one of my parents was an immigrant. But yeah. OK, see ya. <laughs> yeah, cool. You know, um, but but sometimes you can have genuine conversations. And I think it's just about like continuing to try to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And again, like really engaging with. Because it's the 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 um, the people who run in elections in your in your riding, whether it be municipal, federal, or provincial, have a lot more time to talk to you than the leader of the party. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, you want to ask a question to Justin Trudeau, it is a lot harder to pin him down than to pin down your local uh, your local representative. And at the end of the day, whether whether one party leader becomes um, the 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 uh the prime minister or not at the end of the day that person who gets elected is the person who's going to represent you right they're part of a bigger party sure mm-hmm. but they are the they are your representative so i think we should just start thinking about it more locally like that where you know it's about people and it's about you know the vibe that you get from from the person who is going to be representing you because inherently that's the person you're going to go knock on their door and go to their office if you have an issue. You know what I mean? If you're like, hey, I want to complain about something, you're not knocking on the door of the prime minister. You're knocking on the door of your local representative. Um, so typically, that's what I tell people. I'm like, try to get more involved in your local politics and start thinking about it smaller and then bigger versus go bigger and then be like, well, I don't really care about how you know how it pins down at the bottom mm-hmm. because the bottom and the it's smaller the stuff effect, is right? really like, exactly like people think federal politics are the most important no they're not it goes in order of importance it goes municipal it goes provincial and then it goes federal because mm-hmm. inherently municipal affects your life the most then provincial then federal you know what i mean like our foreign uh our foreign policies are not impacting our lives as much as our um as our healthcare policies, which are provincial. Um, and our healthcare policies are not impacting our life as much as uh, the snow clearing programs, which is municipal. So it's a matter, and I think people mm, often really get point. around to like, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, no, 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 but like, who's the prime minister of the country? And it's like, who's your mayor? Who's your councillor? Yeah. Then who's your MPP? Then who's your MP? Then who's your prime minister? Because that is actually who impacts, unless you're like a super, super politically involved person and you know, you're part of, these conversations if you're a regular person that's actually the order of how it impacts your life it's like the one way you could have an effect and and if you actually like put the effort in maybe collectively with other people too it's like correct yeah going on healthcare. i mean i read something not too long ago that there's a possibility of privatization of healthcare. i I haven't read too much about it i may maybe you might be more informed do you do you care to do you know anything about that or well i mean what is uh, it a bill that they're trying to pass no, no, it's an, it's a, it's just a, it's a, it's a very slow push towards, um, and look, I'm not an expert on, uh, on, on conservative healthcare policy, so I, I will preface it with that. I'll, I'll give you the gist of what I know, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's not, like it general... not all like factually correct. Um, but inherently it's a, it's a move towards privatization, privatization, sorry. Privatization. This is a, this is like the French first, uh, yeah. coming out. Um, you, you speak French? Yeah. It's my first language. Okay, it's about français. Ben oui. Ouais. Ben Interesting. Oui. Um, ben oui, je viens d'Ottawa, je veux dire. C'est comme une des villes les plus bilingues du, yeah, du Canada. Yeah, exactly. Um, so inherently, by by cutting down health services and by you know doing little things like oh well uh, you know we're there's a surgery backlog instead of hiring more. Um, more medical staff or instead of like paying them better wages or giving them better work conditions, uh, we're going to be like, well, there is a backlog. So you know how we're going to fix that backlog? Uh, we're going to hire a private company uh, to do certain types of surgeries. And then 
eventually it then moves to like, oh, well, if you want to get these types of surgeries, you got to pay for them. Or if you want to get them faster, you pay for them. And then you become a two-tiered system where there's a public health system that is collapsing, that doesn't pay their staff as well. So the staff is not great. Yeah. Uh, because all the great staff is now going to the private Basically sector. Basically creating that divide. Right? So there. essentially, Damn. they're not privatizing healthcare per se, but they're inherently creating a two-tiered system. Like, we're moving towards a two-tiered system where if you have money, you will... You, we won't lose healthcare if you don't have the money, but you will have access to lesser healthcare if you don't have the money. And inherently, one of the great joys of Canadian healthcare is that no matter how much money you have, you all get. You should all be getting the same kind of access care, access too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why people are are not loving what's happening right now. And I feel yeah. like that oh, could create a lot of resentment between people too, even though it's kind of like forced resentment. You know, it's Absolutely. like some people like you know would maybe be more upset towards someone who is financially available, but it's like they're not necessarily a bad person for using their money to get healthcare. Like some people might the be system like exists, happy they're taking advantage of it. You know, you're going to yeah. use it, but the problem is the system shouldn't exist. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's um, because it alienizes, it alien, alienates, alienates. Thank you. It alienates people. And it, it creates that, that a larger economic gap than there already is. Mm-hmm. Right. So instead of maybe real, like allocating assets into, you know, funding, you know, the actual problem initially, right? I think mm-hmm. that seems like a fair solution. Correct. And uh, mm-hmm. Ontario gets quite a large share um, of, uh, of healthcare funds from the federal. Um, and uh, something that is currently in the news and, and a big argument is um, the provinces want more money and the federal government is saying, we will give you more money, but we want to tell you where it's going to go. And the provinces are like, no, that's our jurisdiction. Um, and, uh, currently Ontario is sitting on, um, lots of extra funds that was received during COVID, um, that has not been spent. Um, so the federal government's kind of like, no, I mean, if you're not going to, if your system is failing and you're not spending the money, we're not going to give you extra money if you're not going to tell us where it's going to go. So it's essentially like, to me, it kind of feels like a teenager being like, I want money. And the parents are like, you have money in your piggy bank and they're like don't ask just give me money and it's like no but like i'm giving you the money i should be somehow allowed to like have a mm-hmm. general idea of where it's going mm-hmm. right i've been yeah. noticing too especially like going back to twitter like a, uh, and this is just twitter. like twitter things is that like, i've been a not necessarily that that i believe yeah but but there's a lot of people like and like trying to look at both sides and understanding mm-hmm. both sides mm-hmm. and having an open mind but you can see sometimes people are like oh I think some people are feel like their opinions aren't getting heard yeah. uh, and either can even be related to, you know, people are like complaining. Uh, you're just like, oh, you know, what's going on right now is almost like a like a small version of like dictatorship and stuff like that. So I would uh, I would definitely not go as far as saying that uh, mainly because I have when I lived in Egypt, it was um, a quote unquote democracy. But I mean, there was only one name on the ballot. Yeah. Uh, and if you put your name forward. Uh, you were either one of my friend's um, uncles um, uh, tried to run for president in Egypt uh, and he ended up in, the, in jail. No, no, no reasoning behind it. Uh, no, nothing said to his family. He's never getting out of jail. They were mm-hmm. not even sure if he's alive. Um, so I think that is something that I have. A, and it goes back to the, the traveling and living abroad. I'm not abroad, saying I right? believe that. I'm not saying I believe no, 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 that. That's... I'm just saying I, I see people are commenting. They're making those comments I on Twitter. I see that. I see that too. Yeah. But my problem with that is I'm like... Do you don't yeah, know like, what actual dictatorship looks like. You don't know like. what actual dictatorship looks like. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, see, this is why everybody should travel and live in different places because yeah. you get to see that like, you know, don't get me wrong, our our country and our democracy is not perfect. It is not perfect. We should, and we should never think it's perfect because that's when you become stagnant and you don't want mm-hmm. and you don't, there's no progress, right? We should always be striving to do better. But the moment we start throwing around words like dictatorship, I'm like, ah, I'm like, and I don't, I'm not a big Twitter person. I have Twitter and I look at it, but it's it just gives me a lot of anxiety. So I try <laughs> to stay away from it. Um, but, uh, and I also don't think it's productive to get into arguments with people on Twitter because I'm like, we are just two people on a computer yelling at each other. I'm like, let's meet up. I will happily tell you why I don't think this is a mm-hmm. dictatorship. So I don't, I try not to engage in like online discourse that way. Yeah, um, it's probably for the better though. Exactly. But it's kind of, it's, it's, definitely very sad because you know i'm like i i've i've seen what an actual dictatorship looks like you know Mm -hmm. when we lived there it was a military state um so you know i would walk to school and um on my walk to school there was like 
six different armed and I lived across the street from my school. So like it was a two minute walk. Wow. Um, and there were six different uh, spots where there were um, army personnel with like AK-47s. And that was just the reality of like just what we lived it. in. Right. Wow. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I find it really difficult to see that kind of discourse happening in Canada because I'm like, <laughs> like, no, you're not worried. No one's going to kill you. Like we have all these rights and we have all these things and it's not perfect. But, you know, but it, yeah, we've we've turned into this like weird polarizing world, and I think uh, a big issue is that we are heavily and this this is pre pandemic also, but we're very very heavily influenced by American politics, mm. and we're typically, if you look at history, we're typically uh, about five years behind the U.S. in terms of like stuff bleeding from the U.S. into Canada, uh, which kind of makes sense because about five years ago uh, is when Trump got elected. So there's a lot of that, the, like similar sentiments that are kind of coming across the border. Um, and so five years delay. Yeah. What do you What do you think that is? It's just I don't know. It's just a political trend. It's like that's. Really? About, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I, I don't quote me on this because I don't have it written anywhere. But I've read I've read something about how yeah, it, if you look through uh, like, like history, it, it, if you it was this article and they were going through, I don't know the past like 40, 50 years, and it was like it, you had this historical trend of like political action happening in the U.S. happening approximately five years later in mm -hmm. Canada. Interesting. Um, and it's hard to have the U.S. as our neighbor because yes, we are very similar. But we also have these like very, very big, inherently different uh, morals and values. I was about to say, you know, as societies. Yeah. Um, so you know, you'll you'll see people talking about stuff in Canada. You know, like I was just saying this to a friend of mine recently about you know people being like, oh well, you can't arrest me because you know you didn't read me my Miranda rights, and I'm like, ah, there's no Miranda rights in Canada. You know, and 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 it's like because. A lot of people are are getting their information from what's happening in the U.S. and it's like inherently we are not the same though, and mm -hmm. we don't have the same, you know, um, society. So our societies don't function the same. You know, like people will be like, "Oh, well, the Bill of Rights," and it's like we, we don't have the Bill of Rights here. It's actually like yeah. the Charter of Rights. Mm -hmm. um, and and I know that you know, I know it's semantics and like it's just a word. But inherently, it's because they're two different documents that we are guaranteed different rights. You know, like you don't have the right to uh, bear arms here. Yeah. You know, that's Worded not differently set up differently, like very, exactly. very different intentions behind them as well. Like. Exactly. So it's 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 uh, I don't know. I think that's that's why we we're having a lot of political turmoil in Canada is because um, is because we have we have this like discourse coming in from the U.S. that's that's being pushed in Canada. And it's like. Yeah, but this doesn't really fit here. Like, it, it, I see how we can have similar sentiments, but they're not the same. No, absolutely. Hey, buddy. You okay? <laughs> He just, wants okay? a, he just wants attention. Yeah, that's right. it. He's like, why are you guys ignoring me? Yeah, he's like, everybody's over there having a good time, and I'm not included. We would like to give a special shout out to our other guest, Coda, uh, <laughs> over here, chilling in the background. He just wanted to get, make a little appearance. <laughs> Correct. He had some. He had some thoughts as well. He had some thoughts. Yeah. yeah. And uh, just before we wrap it up, actually, just to kind of, I guess, circle back around to the traveling mm -hmm. uh, aspect, like, would you say that? Um, especially because you became involved in politics and had a really good sense of it. Like, would you say a lot of that was influenced by different political systems and how you would, and what would you say is maybe like big ones that stand out that kind of affected your perspective on it? Like, Absolutely. Um, well, growing up, we watched a lot of, we, we always watched French elections, but I'm not hundred percent sure why. Cause like, like French from, from France. France. Really yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, and something that I always loved from there um, was that they had a proportional representation, which is something that um, a lot of people are actively pushing for in Canada. It has yet to happen, um, but I think it would be really interesting. So essentially, you've got kind of these like ranked ballots, right? Um, so when you vote, uh, you vote for your most favorite to least favorite. Um, and then that gives you a certain. Um, a certain you get a certain share of because um, essentially if you look at if you look at Canada let's say like you know a party or Ontario let's give you Ontario as an example thirty percent of um, of Ontario or thirty percent of Ontarians who voted that is a whole other thing um, is um, voted for the Conservatives um, but is that represent and so therefore they get a majority but inherently 
30% is not a majority. A majority should be 51%. Um, so it is, we are not um, equitably represented. Uh, so if, you know, 20% of, uh, let's say 20%, uh, voted for the NDP. Well, they don't have 20% of the seats. So therefore, they don't have 20% of the say, um, which makes it that it's not actually representative of the people who voted. Um, so if we had a ranked ballot, kind of like they have in um, in France, and same with their... with their, I've heard of this, actually. Yeah, yeah so with their, their, uh, their, their president um, run, which is separate, um, it's also a ranked ballot, and then somebody gets dropped off. So, you know, it's like... There's four people, vote between these four, the top two continue on. Or sorry, the top, well, you continue on until somebody has 51%. Mm -hmm. So they keep dropping the lowest and then the lowest. and then the, So inherently you end up with 51% of people at least voted for this one person. So therefore it feels more equitable. And that's you know? fair too because you've also had probably a much more thorough understanding of the different dynamics between these mm -hmm. uh, different government bodies mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah, Absolutely. so you have a more informed decision and opinion at that point. Like, you're like, oh, okay, I can choose between these two, but it is also influenced by these other parties that have very much been active in this kind of, like, dis these decisions. Or yeah, like, absolutely. Cool. It's a, it's definitely a very cool thing that I would love to see come to Canada. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's, yeah, it's something that there's a lot of organizations, particularly in Ottawa, there's uh, Fair Votes, um, and it's something that they push forward for um, a lot, and... Um, I don't know if you know this, but in Ontario, um, a lot of schools, when there's elections or by-elections, um, schools will do like a mock election, um, uh, particularly like grade six, seven, eight, um, and it's, they'll use it as part of their civics class. Um, so there's a school in my writing that did it, and they invited all their all the candidates. Not everybody showed up. Um, yeah. I was like, oh yes, absolutely. Like you want me to go talk to a room of seventh graders? Done. <laughs> Love that. I'm like, and I realized that like inherently I did that for nothing because they can't vote for me. So like it's not beneficial to me, but I was like, oh, absolutely. It's important for young people to understand why it's important to vote. Like why, you know, what kind of perspectives there are within different parties. Um, and they did a ranked ballot. So then you ended up with like a percentage, right? Um, so very cool. I, I would have won that grade seven class. Yeah, I won by like a large, a large margin. I was like, God damn it! Can't wait till you can vote. Yeah, yeah. It, it circles back around to what you said about like um, I forget what I was gonna relate to that, but just I guess like the fact that they're um, sorry. Give me one second. No worries, <laughs> I'll no cut worries. this part out. I'm trying to remember exactly no what I was gonna ask. Um, okay, you were saying to give to the seventh graders. Oh, yeah. It goes back to what you were saying about the importance of representation in the first place and just having that understanding for mm -hmm. them. Like the seventh yeah. graders, for example, it's like, well, at least they can go and, and, and see it from someone who's actually genuinely passionate as opposed to just like a trickle down effect of like someone kind of like being like, this is politics and na 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 and it's scary and like you know kind of giving them just like the the very veiled view of it absolutely you know uh and seeing someone you know that's actually more like natural i think it also makes it uh, a lot easier when they turn 18 and then all of a sudden it's like hey you're supposed to go vote and it's like okay but i i don't know who these people are i don't know what the process looks like right um and or who to trust exactly or, or read you know <laughs> exactly and it's kind of like it's hard because most people yeah most people just like look at the pamphlet you get in the mail and you're like ah, okay i don't know there's like a couple points on there um, but if you look at most pamphlets at the bottom, there's usually like a phone number or an email address. And from my experience, I will tell you, people will respond to you. Um, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, so it's, it's always nice cause people, you know, you can actually have these conversations with, uh, with your, with the candidates that are running and on the note of like how it's, I think how it's influenced me in terms of like, um, uh, traveling and living in different places. I think something that's really interesting to me is that, uh, or something that I'm really passionate about per se, um, is uh, just political engagement in general. Because um, I've lived in a lot of countries where like you're, uh, it doesn't really matter if you vote anyways, because it is a true, di a true dictatorship, right? Um, so I find it really, really, really difficult to see these like incredibly low turnout numbers um, in Canada, whether it be provincial or federal or municipal elections, um, because people just feel um, apathy towards towards politics. They're like, well, it's you know, it's not really my vote's not going to matter anyways. So why would I go vote? Whereas with the different perspective of these other places, like you're saying, it's distorted because it's like, well, these people are actually actively going to try. 
yet they're still just going to make no difference. That's right. And they're almost knowingly doing it too. That's right. Yeah, and we're just sitting bad. here being like, I think we treat it as a, we treat it as a, uh, as like, oh yeah, we just, we can vote. And it's like, no, but it's not just, it's not a, it's not just a right. Like it's also a privilege. Like we are privileged to be able to vote and to have a say, um, and to be able to like, you know, make, make a point with your vote, you know, whether like, um, most people don't know that you can go and reject your ballot. Um, and rejecting your ballot is a statement. Um, and it's inherently just saying, hi, I don't like any of these candidates. Um, and then they have to inform all of the candidates that somebody rejected their ballot. So somebody thought, I don't like any of you and none of you had enough uh, policies that I enjoyed. So and that's still actively participating, even though you didn't that. vote for anybody. Right. I never knew that, yeah. So you can reject your ballot. It you does create can, information. Right. Yeah. So there's so that's something that I really care about in terms of like, I think it's really important um, to be involved in the in whether or not you're like super, super informed. Uh just taking five or 10 minutes out of your day right before an election and being like, okay, well, let me just like look into the candidates and, you know, I don't know, maybe email all of them a couple questions or give them a call mm -hmm. and just be like, Hey, here's things that I care about. What do you want? What's your opinion on these things? Um, because inherently we are incredibly lucky to be able to have that, to have that, that right or that privilege. Um, so yeah, it's, and it's really heartbreaking when you're like, Oh man, like I, you know, in Ontario in the past election, I think there was like something like 42% of people voted. And mm -hmm. you're like, that's wild. Like 42% of people, well, actually 30% of people within that 42%. So that's a really small number. Yeah. Um, got to decide who our next premier was. Um, and a lot of people just sat at home and it, it it's impacting their lives. It's impacting their their healthcare. It's impacting yeah. their education. You know, it's it's actually having an effect on their lives and people just actively chose not to, yeah. not to participate. And right? it's not to like necessarily simplify it, but just, I look at it as a, like having a pie, but like you've got only a quarter of it left and you're basically trying to pick off of that as a whole, like, yeah. like sort of thing. And it's yeah. like, but it's really only like a quarter of the entire message or, or representation. Exactly. And like that, that is, that's all that, that's all that people will have of that pie is like mm -hmm. that tiny little portion, but there's a whole pie and we just like haven't touched it mm -hmm. for some reason, you know? Yeah. What um, oh, yeah. what advice would you give to, to to people in general? Let's say they're kind of like they want to learn more about politics. How do you go about it? What's one of a good, good starting point to get informed? Okay, so I I know I know you, you we we talked about CBC earlier, um, but CBC has this really really interesting tool, um, and that I will say is like I don't think it's very biased at all. Okay. Um, so um, it's uh, they do it typically before every election. Provincial okay. or municipal. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, the CBC. Oh, the CBC Vote Compass. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what they'll do is they'll take uh, the main issues that are being discussed that particular election, right? Because every election's got like their it's main, like their yeah. key issues. Um, and then it will it will ask you. I'll give you. Um, uh, I think it's like ten to fifteen questions, uh, and it's got a statement, uh, and it'll be like, I don't know. Uh, you think. Um, you think privatizing healthcare is a good idea? Mm -hmm. uh, strongly agree, um, agree, um, no opinion, disagree, strongly disagree. Um, and then inherently, what they do is they go through the they go through the um, the party messaging for all the parties, um, and they will find where that party lies on that key issue. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once you're done the quiz, so the little quiz gives you like it's an array of things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it talks about all the different. Um, topics so by the end you'll get this little um chart and it positions you on on a political spectrum mm. for that election um and then it will show you a little dot of where the other parties are so you can see oh well on most issues i actually agree with i don't know the green party you know and sometimes you're like oh that's surprising um and then you can go back through the questions and you can go question by question and see where you align with each party per question Interesting. Wow. Um, so I find I that to be, that. yeah, it's and you said really that's cool. called Vote Compass on CBC. CBC's yeah, Vote of, Compass. Honestly, that, that does sound like a really good tool because yeah. it almost, it also like a lot of people I feel like have a hard time deciding or, mm -hmm. or, or changing their ideas based on the fact that they don't know or they don't maybe 
get to research it thoroughly enough to understand why a party represents them so much. So to be able to have a neutral standpoint and then you're given like, oh, like a suggestion, like this is what you matched with. It's like, oh shit, cool. I have a little bit of a starting point. Absolutely. Yeah. And then and then you can kind of go from there and like do more research. But like that's a good, that's typically a good starting point because I think a lot of people um, unfortunately base their political opinions on like often it's family you know, yeah, like, yeah, oh, my family's that, always yeah. voted this way. Yeah. Or, you know, like, a key issue that you've heard. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people will be like, oh, well, I don't want my taxes to go up. And, like, the conservatives don't make mm. your taxes go up. So I'm going to vote conservative. And it's like, yeah, okay. But that's, you know, that's a very, like, general thing. There's layers to it. There's and then other, also, every yeah. again, every election has its, has its key things that are going on at that time. Um, and the messaging does change between election to election. Um, so I, yeah, I find that's a really, really great tool because, um, you know, sometimes like I, I don't vote conservative, but sometimes there's been issues where like, you know, I'll go through my little questions and I'm like, oh wow, I can't, I can't believe that. Like I had the same answer as the conservatives. I didn't know cause I didn't, maybe I didn't read their whole platform and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that that's what their stance was on this one key issue, mm. you know? Um, and then I can go in and look at their platform and be like, mm. oh, like, let me find out more about that one point that, I, that we agreed on. Right. Um, so that's usually a really, really good starting point, I would say. But aside from that, the best advice I could give anybody who uh, wants to know more or um, or just wants to be more active is really, um, it's a really personal thing. Like it's talk to people, talk to people who are involved in it. You know, um, every, um, pretty much every writing has a writing association. So you'll have like, um, you know, in Ottawa South, like, NDP writing association and a liberal writing association and mm. a conservative writing association. And like, you might have a PPC one, um, to reach out, to find those, those writing associations and check out their websites. And, uh, you know, cause that's between elections cause they, they might not necessarily have a candidate, uh, to reach out to, to those associations. But then when it's around an election and there is actual people who are running to reach out to those people. Cause yeah, again, like they're, what when I ran, mostly what I did, honestly, uh, was knock on people's doors. I spent about three months knocking on about eighty thousand doors. Sometimes it's really about just you know? making an appearance. Yeah. yeah, just talk to people. Like I talked to this one guy who had a PPC sign outside of his house, and somebody on my team was like, "Oh, don't bother knocking. Like clearly, you guys aren't gonna agree." And I was like, "Well, you know, I'm down for a challenge. Like, let's have a chat. You know, let's let's see." And if he closes, if he yells at me and closes his door on me, then like, no. Whatever, I'll no harm you know. no foul. You try. Yeah, I'm like, I'll go get a cookie after, and like, I'll feel better about it. It's fine. Um, but I knocked on it, and like, we we started chatting, and we, you know, we had a really great chat. And we talked about healthcare because his daughter was a nurse, and we we got around to it. Like, I spent a solid like 20 minutes outside chatting with this guy, um, and then by the end of it, he was like, you know what? I really like you. He's like, I'll vote for you. He's like, do you want? I'll. He's like, I'll take a sign. You know, and right we are super far on the political spectrum from each other. But, but as human beings, but as human beings, human being you know, thing, right? we got along and he was like, yeah, I'd, I'd vote for you. I'd, I'd be down for you to, to represent me. So sure. You yeah, seem you know? politics really is just an aspect of humanity, right? Like Correct. Like, you seem to have a lot of knowledge and it seems like you're pretty, you. pretty well educated in this uh, realm. Do you think you'll ever uh, actively uh, join uh, some type of political engagement ever again? Probably. Yeah. yeah. The door, the door is not closed. I haven't walked through the door yet. It has to be the right moment. I, the when I ran in twenty twenty, it was like a lot of uh, a lot of good timing, um, and uh, between then and now, all the other elections have just like been not great timing for me personally in my life. Um, so it's just it's just a matter of timing, but it's something that I'm still super passionate about. Um, so I'm very much going to do it again at some point and and I'm happy you know I'm, I'm still involved on the writing association and nice. you know I'm during the other elections you know I got involved as much as I could I knocked on doors with people um you know and I and I don't knock on doors for a candidate because they're from my party I meet the candidate first and then if I believe in that person I'm gonna I will happily go and I'll haul my butt in the winter and start, you know, knocking on doors. And if I believe in you as a person, like it's easy for me to talk you up at a door because I believe in you. And I'm like, oh, you're. It I think you should. Place. Yeah, you should represent me. So I'm gonna tell people why you should represent me. So definitely something I will do again for sure. Some uh, some final words. I guess you could say food for thought. Um, what would be your advice uh, in general if people who are listening? 
Just uh, life. <laughs> ooh, about life. Leaning on the um, more positive side of life. Oh, that's always the side I'm on. So nice. no, no, no worries there. Um, I think, uh, I think amidst the past couple of years, they've been difficult years for most people in some way, shape, or, or form for most people. Um, but I think inherently we just, if we can continue to move through the world with grace and empathy and kindness, um, and you know, just, this sounds super cheesy and I didn't mean for it it to sound cheesy, but like really treat people how you want to be treated, you know? And like, and you will be surrounded with like, it's easier to find the good and to see the good and the positivity in life. Um, when you, when you shine it out, you know what I mean? And when you, um, like actively try to be a kind person and, and, you know, go little, little things, you know, like the other day I, I was driving past somebody and they had their hood up and I was in a rush and I had somewhere to go and I drove past them. And as I was driving past them, I was like, Oh, I should have stopped. Like I have a booster, uh, like a, a little boosting cable or battery, but then I also have booster cables and I'm like, that's probably what they need. And I'm like, Oh man, like, and I've been in that situation and it sucks. And I got to the next light and I was waiting in the red light. And I'm like, God, no, no, I have to go back. Did a U-turn, came back, and, like, the guy was so nice. And he was like, yeah, I've been waiting here for, like, a solid half hour. He's like, no one has stopped. And I was like, yeah, this is just my little reminder of, like, even if it's, even if you think it's taking a minute out of your life or, like, you're going to feel good about it and you're going to bring, like, more positivity in the world. Like, just, just be kind. Like, act, act with kindness in everything that you do in life. And that you know? small kind interjection helped him get along with his day. Absolutely. You know? like, Absolutely. And it's, it, it's going to change. It's going to, it's going to, you're, you're bringing light to somebody else's day, but like, you're going to feel great about yourself also afterwards, Absolutely. you know? Um, so yeah, just, just walk around with kindness in the world and empathy and like care for others. And, and it makes everything a lot easier. You know, it makes understanding people uh, easier. It makes like, relationships it makes communication it makes work it makes everything easier to just like walk around with kindness and empathy in the world yeah miriam thank you so Love much that, for uh, thank you for joining us on our podcast today seriously and, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. learned a lot me. too honestly like you're very well spoken and articulate and i like that because i was picking up a lot of information that i thank actually you. like you know always happy to chat deep. and actually just before we go one more shout out to our sponsor, KOT, K-O-T. Mr. Kaoki. Uh, I just wanted to offer you basically one of the two. He uh, graciously gave us some little bags to give to guests. Uh, would you like either banana mint or ginger mint? I think ginger mint. Ginger mint. I love ginger. It's one of the best. There we go. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna pass that over to you. Thank oh, you. Sorry, we're a little oh. far based on the table here. Yeah. Oh, it looks Hope you enjoy. so good. I'm gonna try it when I get home. Yeah. <laughs> But honestly, thank you so much. It's genuinely been a great time. Like, Thanks, uh, guys. It's thank just you. nice to chat and uh, and hear your stories. And I, I would love to have you back sometime again in the yeah. future when we get yeah, there. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I would love that. Thank you, guys. Thank you. See you, Mary. <laughs>